Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danker and Barati Jacklish with you. Ryan Huang is on leave, but don't worry, he'll be back sometime next week. For now, though, uh, why it matters. Let's talk about Ang Pao's. Yeah, I mean, it could come in the form of a corporate bonus that people who work in corporates and companies are used to receiving at certain points of the year, or literally in a red packet, yeah? Money in a red packet to employees. Apparently, it is one of the top Lunar New Year traditions practiced by SMEs in many parts of the world. So what, you're saying like it's uh, just an extra form of uh, gratitude, Mm. a gesture of appreciation, especially in this festive time of the year? Yeah, yeah. I've seen it happen. I used to work for an SME where the boss would give Ang Pao's as well. And this is in addition to your usual bonuses. But if you're a lousy boss, then is that too little too late? Does it matter? (laughs) Good question. And I have also always felt so. I personally actually resigned quite quickly after receiving Ang Pao. In fact, before receiving the Ang Pao. But you don't like... Because so it why was did that you, bad. Why did you stay for the Ang Pao though? Uh, no, no, die, no. die or so I'm going to get something from you, right? I was thinking about it that okay. way. But I, I, I'm mistaken. I actually okay. did leave before the Ang Pao okay, was given. Okay, okay, okay. But I stayed for my bonus, which is why I misspoke earlier. I did stay On for... principle, you deserve it. Yeah. The bonus I worked hard for. Correct. And I got them results. Correct. So I thought, I'm no going to stay for bonus. Ang Pao, no need. Lah. Oh, okay. so, <laughs> but, but it's the same concept, right? Sure, sure. You stay for that incentive. You stay for that reward. And then after that, it's time to go. And the exodus is the thing that is key here. Yeah, so this is the name for it. They call it the Ang Pao exodus. This is new to me, I must admit. But I, I'm quite curious to see how this will impact colleagues who decide to stay on, you know, when they see this so-called Ang Pao exodus. Mm. Uh, Leong mm. Chi Tung, the co-founder of Engage Rocket, is on the line. Good morning. How are you doing? Hi, good morning, Elliot. Good morning, Bharati. Good morning, Cheetung. Nice to be speaking to you today. So, in your working life, right, have you done something like that? Gotten the Ang Pao and then walked out? Or have you never worked for an SME before? Uh, so far, I've worked for the military. I've worked for a multinational and I guess now I'm working in a startup. So, Ah, okay. Nope, uh, haven't had the pleasure of uh, receiving Ang Pao's that way. Mm-hmm. But you do have the experience, I'm sure, of receiving that bonus and then timing your exit accordingly in order to be able to hang on to that bonus, right? Uh, not really. So I, I think the bonus <laughs> can't cycles... And I, I, yeah, I can't really relate to that just, just because, yeah, the career yeah. has worked out that way. Yet you have sought to talk about the Ang Pao exodus. Tell us more about this exodus and why you've chosen to look into it so deeply. Yeah, so uh, as we know, the, the cost of replacing an employee, uh, particularly a talented one, can be anywhere from 50 to 250% of their annual salary. And so this period is doubly expensive for companies, right? Because they are paying out that ang pao and the bonus, but at the same time suffering the cost of having to replace these folks when they leave. Uh, this year particularly, there's talk of the great resignation. And if you look at the labor market, it's also picking up while the inflow of uh, labor is also relatively lower. So we do expect demand to go up and therefore wages will get bid up as well. Mm. So it will be uh, it will be triply uh, expensive for companies this year, especially companies where employees are not happy uh, working in. Mm-hmm. And you know, Chitong, while your career hasn't panned out that way, it's a different path. Uh, we we have spoken before, and the thing about this guy is he really looks at the trends and the patterns. Um, and I am curious with regard to this question, Chitong, what is the number one people, uh, the number one reason that people leave 
their company? It's really a little bit cliche, but the saying that people join companies but they leave managers is very true. See, the yeah. number one reason people leave is uh, they got a bad boss. KPI should be on turnover <laughs> for all bosses. <laughs> Actually, you know, the funny thing is that a lot of bosses now have this as a KPI oh, yeah? and still they are flagrantly violating it. They are failing and still they're not being fired. In some companies, in some companies that I know of. Passionate conversation, let's go. Yeah, but Chitung, I mean, I'll leave my personal views out of this. You would agree that if a company keeps seeing these types of phenomenon and exodus every year, there is a fundamental issue, isn't there, with management? Yes and no. So the timing of the exodus just is, uh, as you were discussing earlier with Elia, that, that it's very logical for the individual employee to wait till they get a bonus, yeah. which is due to them, and typically comes at this time of the year before making a move. So to a certain extent, you're seeing seasonal, it's just seasonal uh, uh, attrition or, or resignations from companies. But what that means is that companies that uh, are just doing a relatively bad job uh, managing their people mm. would see a, a lot of their annual resignations happen around the same period, which can be quite damaging for them. Okay, uh, let's talk about this uh, State of Employee Experience 2021 report. Uh, interesting, you found that employees are more prone to feeling neutral about their organization's future um, instead of optimistic. Why? What are some of the factors involved here? Oh, the, the the big factor is it's really the the extension of the pandemic. I mean, to to a very large extent, twenty twenty one, everyone started the year like really looking forward to it, you know, and, <laughs> and yeah. the year kind of ended feeling a bit like twenty twenty Yeah, and uh, that was, that that very much uh, moderated people's optimism. So in twenty twenty, uh, when we looked at the same data, right, right. we saw the optimism actually a little bit higher. Because people were looking forward to the vaccine, they were thinking that the economy was going to open up mm. and, and so on in 2021, and then that that just fell flat. Uh, those expectations were not met last year. So it's like once bitten, twice shy going into 2022. Uh, very much so. I, I, I think, uh, but that could be a benefit, right? Because mm. I think uh, lower expectations means easier to meet, lah. Mm. So, to what extent would this also mean that larger enterprises certainly shouldn't take their market entrenchment and reputation for granted here? Uh, yeah, especially especially it's easy to get complacent when you're when you're a big brand and you get a lot of resumes coming to you. Mm. The the pain of resignations and the pain of losing people in these companies tend to be uh, for the high high performers, so people who really drive and push the needle along. Because there are many who join these companies and just kind of cruise along. You know, they they write off the the name, the big brand name, the the, the nice paycheck. Um, but they, they're not really there to shake things up and, 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 and move the company forward. Uh, they're, they're normally just a precious few of them. And then the, the second talent pool that at, is at risk is the senior leadership in these companies because th- you're not the only big company in town. There are other big companies like your competitors and so on that are actively looking to poach uh, your, your, your leaders who would then bring the, along their teams with them. So, so these are... These are areas that I think uh, the large companies actually do know uh, and, and are quite familiar with and, and are trying their best to, to protect their talent that way. Wow, it's, it's a very difficult 
<laughs> it's a very difficult response uh, to, to come up with because you mentioned they're trying to protect the talent. On the one hand, there's an expectation that people will leave. On the other hand, there's an expectation that people cruise along. So that does something for productivity. What should managers do then? It's an uh, impossible, impossible question, I'm sorry. No, it's not really impossible. I, I think one of the things that I mean, the very the very first principle is that you're as a manager, you have a lot of different stakeholders and a lot of different uh, KPIs, as you say, sure. right? So I I think the people KPI uh, is typically left behind, and all managers need to do is to remember that when we are trying to balance people and profits, your people actually help you drive your profits, mm, mm. You can't. It's it's not really antagonistic that you know you you only can optimize for one or the other. You actually need to optimize for both, but optimizing for your people first actually help you drive your profit. And that, that helps you uh, a lot better. And then there are a lot of tools in the market around like, listening to your employees better, uh, listening to your team better so that you, mm. you know what their main concerns are and you can address them early rather than being uh, surprised af- after the fact when you get those resignation letters coming in. So things like uh, regular pulse checks, uh, there are these surveys that are done that, that, I mean, we do as well and and many others in the market do. Uh, More frequent team check-ins. So many teams, especially hybrid teams, have been checking in on a daily basis, five to 15 minutes a day. Um, And then looking over over time, like what what are the trends that I'm seeing in my team? Why why are people, why have people been leaving? Mm. And what are their main concerns now and into the next few quarters? Here's the thing. It does sound like a good early warning system yeah, to protect against an exodus like this every other year or every year. You talk about pulse checks and check-ins. Sure, you can do all of that and still not act upon the information that you receive, right? What I've noticed is that a lot of companies have managers who just don't know what to do with that information. They don't know how to make things better. So what would you recommend in that regard in order to make sure that each company has a system in place to actually respond appropriately? In this regard, you really need, first of all, to be able to act appropriately and in a timely manner, you need to know what to act on. And so all the listening tools that you use, uh, ideally you find one that is able to give you real-time insight. Uh, that you can, that all your managers can then access. Like, is is the problem with my communication style? Is the problem that people are not resonating with the company vision? Is the problem that there's just interpersonal conflict within my team? What is the problem before I I know how to take action on that problem? Uh, so that's step one. Like being able to, besides just collecting the data, to be able to process it and make sense of it. Then the step two is really just actually taking the action. And and sometimes uh, managers may not know what action is uh, action means when they look at this data so uh, there are tools in the market uh, and gate rocket ourselves we do provide these uh, best practice actions that are provided in a timely manner uh, and driven also by uh, people science it's a, it's a new and growing uh, field which is uh, really a combination of both organizational psychology as well as understanding of business and uh, and team dynamics so, so these are all uh, things that managers can actually do and uh, and take immediate action. It doesn't have to be very, very grand. You know, sometimes it's just just about having a chat uh, with with the, with the staff that's at risk. Chitung, I got a very difficult question for you. Get ready. How do you ensure that the data is accurate? How do you ensure that as a boss, I know that my staff thinks I'm lousy, or thinks I'm good? Mm. The number one thing. To, to ensure that your data is accurate and that your data quality is high 
is to make sure that the data that you're collecting is uh, confidential, uh, but not anonymous. So what that means is that the data that you collect cannot be anonymous because then you don't know where it came from. Okay. But it needs to be confidential so that I don't know exactly who gave the response. So I can't go on a witch hunt and, and just like beat my team over the head. Or that one guy in my team who, who complained about me, I could beat him over the head. So it, there needs to be a way to keep that information uh, confidential. So once people feel that they uh, are psychologically safe in giving that response, then you can trust that uh, by and large, they're going to say what they think. Lah. Okay. Now, aside from the fact that managers have to work towards preventing an exodus every year, they also have to take care of the people who are left behind, don't they? Whether it's a large retrenchment exercise or a large exodus of people leaving voluntarily, the people who are left behind tend to suffer too, don't they? Expand on that for us and tell us more about some solutions available for that. Yeah, the the people left behind actually suffer in two ways. So one, they suffer because... If my colleague just tendered his resignation, I look at that and I was quite close to him or her. I also have question marks in my mind, right? Like I should re- rethink my, my career. Uh, maybe I, I should go join him or her in a new outfit or whatever it is. And so there's that distraction, uh, number one. Number two is, wow, this guy leave already. All his work is now part of my pay. So I have extra work, but no extra pay. So, so these are two areas that uh, are, will be a concern. For, for those that are left behind. So managers really need to think ahead. The moment they get that resignation letter, they need to think ahead. First of all, like, okay, what happened with this guy that just resigned? The second thing, uh, for, for everybody that's still remaining, what can I do to prevent a further bleeding from my team? And so that could involve things like reprioritizing the work to make sure that everybody is not overloaded. Maybe there are certain things that can wait for later to be done. Certain things like also just... Just having having a chat, like a coffee chat with each uh, individual team member that still remains to understand their motivations and almost to get them to recommit to the team for the next uh, whatever time period that, that makes the most sense for that, for that team. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that it's, it's about being proactive rather than reactive to a lot of these things. And, and, and that all stems down to if the, if the manager genuinely cares for, for the team as people, these are natural, natural things that they would want to do. It, it's not. It's not something that is uh, very alien to them. It's mm. only when they don't care and, and they're, they're blind to these, then then it becomes an issue. Mm. And the big boss should also look at annual recalibrations with these head of departments or managers. What makes a manager a manager, in, and not just you know how long you've been in the company, you know, and not just how able you are to delegate work, right? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, I mean, we were, we were just having some of these conversations internally with some of our senior senior team. Yeah, and. Uh, Every year, we, we, it's almost every year, we need to recommit to the, the task at hand. And if we find it difficult, we need to have that conversation with our boss. Uh, mm-hmm. Even before an offer comes in or before we start looking, uh, it's important to, 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 to be very intentional uh, about our careers as individuals too. Because it's not like our company owes you a living. Yeah. The, each of us, we, we, we need to plan for our own careers as well. So we, we need to think at the start of each year, at the start of each time period, like, okay, does this still make sense? And, and all that, that, of course, there's like economic factors along the way that, you know, somebody comes along offering me double my pay, then it's very difficult to ignore that kind of offer. Mm. But, but by and large, it's, it's not most of the time, uh, 70, 80% of the time that we look at our data, 
the reasons why people leave are really not because of the, the money. It's, it's always something that is uh, like some kind of personal relationship or some kind of, sometimes they, they just disagree with the, the values of the company that they're working in. Uh, sometimes they just really fell out with the boss mm. um, and, 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 and they just don't feel, they don't feel recognized for the work that they're doing. Here's the thing, Chi Tung. I've noticed that HR departments in a lot of companies are putting a lot of store on reskilling and upskilling workers in general, the employees of the company in general. And they're focusing on things like digital skills and all that. But what about focusing on C-suite training, getting all managers up to speed with how to manage people better? To, to what extent do you think enough is already being done in that regard among HR departments today? When you just look at the numbers, just in Singapore alone, two to two point five billion dollars a year are spent on leadership, like quote unquote, like leadership development training. Right. Uh, the problem with a lot of this training is classroom training, and and uh, it it's not about the classroom training. It's, classroom training is really only about ten percent of uh, learning to be a manager and, and to be a leader. There's twenty uh, percent that comes from mentorship and coaching. So senior leaders actually, and actually any leader, you you have the responsibility of finding other leaders that you look up to and to strike up some kind of coaching or mentorship uh, behave, uh, uh, relationship with them so that you can grow as a leader yourself. And then 70% of your, your learning as a leader is actually going to come on the job. So I, I think that while, while HR teams sometimes overly focus on uh, the, the spend that they, they, they have on leadership training, on the, the number of training hours that each individual uh, leader goes through each year. I, I think they really should be looking at: Are we creating uh, an infrastructure for some of these other uh, avenues of growth that are far more important for individual development than than the the training themselves? So, things like, for example, uh, self awareness exercises uh, through psychometric assessments or three hundred and sixty feedback uh, for for leaders, uh, and and having them understand how to uh, almost look up to themselves in the mirror as a leader. Where are my strengths? Where are my weaknesses? What can I do to maximize my strengths? What can I do to minimize my weaknesses? Um, these, are, these are critical skills as a, as a leader it grows through their career. So, so these, I, I think there are some HR teams that are a little bit more progressive in that, but others may be a little bit more focused on uh, just uh, providing training. We've been speaking with uh, Leong Chi Tung, co-founder of Engage Rocket. Appreciate your time this morning. You take care and stay safe. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, pleasure being on. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.